What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched... I forgot. Oh, I keep wanting to say Mysteries of Memory. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the name of the movie. We just watched Memories of Murder, a 2003 film by Bong Joon-ho. Ouch! His second second film. Was it only the second film? Mm -hmm. And this is on a lot of best of lists yeah it is it is widely considered to be a masterpiece of crime fiction it's a korean film yeah it's a foreign film um and it follows it's loosely based on the first kind of serial murders in korea Mm -hmm. in i think 1986 through 91 yeah and this follows it's in a province so it's in a rural area I mean, province is like a state, so yeah. it's in a rural province. <laughs> it's in a rural part of a province. Yeah, and it follows the two local detectives um, trying to solve these m- murders, and then a big city detective from Seoul comes in yeah. uh, to help them figure solve out. Solve the murders. Solve, solve the murders, and apparently uh, it takes place over a couple years. I didn't get that from the film i didn't get the time yeah the the time was a little unclear like it was it was not it was, it was clearly like late 80s early 90s I yeah that yeah well i was i was thinking a lot of while watching this um david fincher's zodiac which i don't know is at all sourced in relationship to this um but it would be i would be shocked if david fincher had never seen this movie <laughs> yes especially because it's on It's on so many best of lists. It's on best of lists of like people who love films. Yes, which are often not the films that I love. (laughs) I have a very like lowbrow appreciation of. I like lowbrow films. Yeah, this had some lowbrow moments in it. It definitely did, Um, and I'm glad that I just read that there are comedic moments because I I laughed at some point, but I didn't. You weren't sure if you were supposed to be laughing. Supposed to or or not? I don't Um, know. Watching Detective. Park, dropkick detective. So, like, as their first introduction was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> they were just such the the two province detectives were such bumbling idiots. Yes, like, yes. No, that that's one of the first thoughts I had about while watching the movie was like, this movie is not fond of the police. Um, which I don't know that I expected going into it. I have a lot of expectations other than like, yeah, it's a, it's a crime drama solving a murder or a serial murder. Um, although we should mention, we're going to spoil the movie. Oh yeah. It's the first impression. Spoilers. Spoilers for a 22. Really a lot of. Well, I think. Spoilers. The ending. Spoilers. The ambiguity of the ending is incredibly important. I think it is an important part of the film, and it needs to be talked about. Um, And I don't think knowing that it is an ambiguous ending will not, like, harm your enjoyment of the film. But, again, Zodiac reminded me of this film a lot, in that, like, there is no clear answer. Like, you get to the end of the Zodiac movie, and there's no solution people have wasted a lot not wasted spent a lot of time trying to solve this and nothing comes of it well, there's also it's not about the murders so much as the people touched by the murders. yes yes too. yeah it's not 
I mean, it's about the murders in a in a very limited plot sense, and that we are watching these detectives try and solve this in a what I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, a pre-CSI environment. Um, you know, forensic evidence is not a thing that's particularly tracked. They don't have the ability to even run DNA tests. They have to send them off to America. Well, it's most of the fore- it's not that they can't collect forensics. It's such like a disorganized police, yeah, underfunded that you can't protect their crime scene yeah. enough. <laughs> To the, get. the crime scene is always like swarming with press or children. Yeah, people, farmers—they're just <laughs> just wandering through out to see the yeah. crime scene. Yeah. So, so in that way, it is. It is. They are not relying on evidence to because they don't have much in the way of evidence. They have the crime and sort of what little they found at the crime scene. Um, but they're mostly working off of suspect interviews. And then a big part of the movie is looking at police brutality and forced confessions. Um, yeah, Cause I think there were three different forced confessions over the course of the movie. I got, I count two, but well, I'm counting the one at the end also. Oh yeah. The ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. So the two, so detective park and detective Cho are the the two the local bumpkin and the big city bumpkin no 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 detective cho are the two oh detective cho I, detective so is the other one yeah um, and city detective or farm rural detective local that's the word i'm looking for park and cho are the local detectives yes yes is the sentence you were trying to say but i interrupted <laughs> you like three times <laughs> they are the local and they're Technique is basically they choose who did it uh-huh. and then work backwards to get them to confess. And to confess, they torture them, hold them without any, like, habeas corpus or uh, lawyers, lawyers or, or yeah. anything and torture them for a few days until the suspects break down and, like, will confess to anything. Mm-hmm. And they, the two detectives coach them on what to say in the confession and... yeah. And they say, okay, try try it again. You didn't say it right this time. Um, And I thought it was a very frank depiction of how coercion in confessions works. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've you've watched, you know, Making of a Murderer or any of the other true crime documentaries where a confession was later found to be coerced, Serial, I think, is a good example. Um, Like, you know, this is exactly how it works. And so to have something like this coming out in 2003... So very, like, just matter-of-factly showing that to you, um, I thought was really interesting. It was uncomfortable to watch. Yes. It was very uncomfortable. Absolutely. I, I think there was a much more explicitly violent part to the coercion, where mm-hmm. some the things you're talking about happening in the U.S. were more psychological. Yes. I mean, yes, there are elements that are... Psychological violence. (laughs) Well, I'm sure bodily torture. Yeah. Not not torture, but making people uncomfortable, keeping them in the same room. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, it was definitely uncomfortable. And, And again... That's my recurring thought was that, you know, the creatives behind this movie are not fond of the police. Yeah. They are not portrayed in any way as being noble. No. no. And, 
And that even, I think, extends to the, the big city cop, Detective So, um, who is mostly fine with all of that. I think he doesn't like it because he sees it as a waste of time. Clearly, these are yeah. the people who did it. Yeah. But he doesn't try to stop the process. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't care about the people being hurt. <laughs> yeah. It's like, these are clearly not... Yeah. Suspects. And so he's interested in solving the case, but more because he wants to solve the murders rather than because he cares about the victims or the victims of the police brutality, even. Well, I think it was especially uncomfortable with the kind of the first person who is mentally disabled. Mm -hmm. And to watch that. Yeah. Was especially hard. Yeah. To see the. Just the moment one of police coercion and brutality. Yeah. And you can tell he's not capable of. Like, he needs a guardian yeah. around yeah. To, to deal with police questioning. Yeah. He should not be questioned alone, yeah. let alone by two cops who enjoy beating him up to get what they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. It was very uncomfortable. Um, although I've yet to see a, a um, Bong Joon-ho movie that I walked out and go, yeah, I felt real comfortable during that. <laughs> what about the monster movie? Did that have really uncomfortable... Um, I guess, yeah, the host was was the closest to anything like that. I still felt bad about the family. Yeah, and... there, there was still like the commentary <laughs> on social circumstances happening. Um, yeah. I think some of the things that I was laughing at is how often they used, I don't know if drop kick is the right word, but it's where they jump. The jump two-footed kick, two yeah. Like, um, there was one time they did it over a table. Yeah. Like, just such excessive use of force. Yes. And I think, I think the drop kick is an inherently funny use of force because... It is not like a strong use of a body because you do it and then you fall down on the ground. Yeah. Like, so it's got a pratfall built into it. Not really efficient. No. And so I think that it is, I think the choreographer of those fights used that humor to great extent. Because it was funny and you were mm -hmm. laughing at these these cops. They were just, they were bumbling. Yeah. That's, that's the best <laughs> Watching word. them fall down the edge of the rice paddy. Everyone <laughs> fell down the edge of the rice paddy to get yeah. to the crime scene. Yeah. That was funny. And or the first, the opening where Detective Park comes out, it's the victim is in kind of a drainage ditch mm -hmm. and there's this kid there. <laughs> yeah. Who just says everything he says. Like a kid does. Like, that's yeah. what kids do. <laughs> in, like, such inappropriate circumstances. There's a body there. Yeah. And the kids are just around. Yeah. And the kid's just being annoying. Yeah. That was funny. And, and I don't think I've seen a crime film that takes the drama of the crime as seriously as this does while still also having inherently humorous things and and not having those feel out of place, like those feeling of the same world and that, yeah, this, 
they're bad at their jobs. They're goofy, but also it it added a weird sense of like realism. Yeah, there was definitely a sense of realism. If you go from like CSI, yeah, which is not realistic at all. No, but it's like super cool. <laughs> to, I can't think of a a really well. I, uh, I, the Pink Panther comes to mind, and Jacques oh, Cousteau it's not, as, not realism. as not realism. Because um, they're two extremes, whereas this kind of fit in the middle. Because that's like real life. Sometimes things are goofy and funny, and sometimes they're very serious, and sometimes those are very close together. Um, which again resonates with a lot of the other uh, Bong Joon Ho films we have watched, where there is this serious, heavy stuff and very goofy, silly things going hand in hand. But well, they're like real people. I yeah. mean, especially being in a rural area, you know they're not seeing a lot of murders happening, yeah. let alone serial killer. So they're just not equipped. Yeah, they don't know how to deal with this. To deal with it. And that plays into some of the the humor mm-hmm. and the realness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the humor comes just, just so bad. They're just so bad. So bad at their jobs. <laughs> But it's it's not a Pink Panther. No, like, no, not that sort of bumbling. Not that way of bumbling. Yeah, or like when when Park gets the idea that there aren't any hairs at the crime scene because the perpetrator doesn't have any pubic hair. Yeah, and so he, let's so let's go investigate let's go, all the Buddhists. Yeah, in let's town. go hang out in in the. Uh, the saunas and look at everyone's crotch to see if we can find anyone without pubic hair. Yeah. Which is, is like at the surface, you're like, well, maybe I guess that could be a thing, but like as an actual way of investigating a crime is terrible (laughs) and, and is built on such terrible premises and faulty assumptions. And, but with literally nothing else to go on, that's what he finds himself doing. Um, which is, goofy it is i do appreciate this sort of epilogue of the film where he is no longer a cop (laughs) yeah well there's a running theme throughout where his wife is like you need to get another job this is too hard on your body yeah being worn out and exhausted and all that sort of stuff and so then he stops being a cop which is probably for the best the gizmo's best for everyone yeah yeah Um, just good for everyone it was also i so I have very little knowledge of Korean film, mm-hmm. Korean history. Yeah. I don't know. But this is a very different moment in Korean history than I've seen depicted. Yes. Um, because so often Korean films take place in cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was rural. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, I don't have a huge... Um, Context. Or, like, yeah. like lots and lots of films to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the other... Bong Joon-ho films mm-hmm. take place in um, cities. And at a really interesting moment in history, not interesting, I don't know. Important. <laughs> militarization of the Korean government. Mm-hmm. And the, this is this background happening the whole time are these constant like air raid drills. And protests. And protests against um, the government mm-hmm. and um, practicing... traumatic emergency situations mm-hmm. like carrying dead bodies and how you're gonna do that and you see it take place in the town and they have these drills at school mm-hmm. and that runs as a background to the whole thing and it was it was just a different 
depiction. Yeah, it was a new context. That, a that new, I hadn't yeah. seen before where I was like, oh, I really don't know Mercurian <laughs> history. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. And I'm, I suspect that adds a lot of additional nuance to some of what's going on. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't have a direct effect on the murders or the investigation at all. It's always kind of just happening mm-hmm. in the background. And how stressful that must be. Yeah. To constantly have that. Be preparing for some sort of catastrophe. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the, the various, like, civil action drills... Like, okay, everyone, turn off all your lights, close all your windows, go hide. Take shelter. Yeah. And those do happen repeatedly throughout. And then we see violent military action amongst, it's not stated explicitly, but what I assume to be Korean citizens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the sort of uprising that is is being pushed back or pushed down, uh, which is, I mean, you put that... Next to a film about the incompetence of a government organization, I can read Commentary. some stuff out of that. I can certainly read some things there. Um, I don't know if it's what the director intended, but there is definitely... I mean, there's a definitely a history of this director making some <laughs> pointed social commentary. Yes, yes. Although there wasn't much of a history at this point, because it was only a second film. But uh, it... It was certainly a Bong Joon-ho film in a lot of ways. Um, I did kind of wonder when I was taking notes as we were watching it, am I, am I just like predisposed to like Bong Joon-ho movies? Is that a thing? Because <laughs> well, this is not my favorite of his. Like, I still think Parasite is is like a perfect film. Well, it's, it's hard to compare anything to Parasite. Yeah. One of the best films ever made. Felicity uh, agrees. Yeah. Um, but, like... I like his aesthetics. I like, I mean, the park detective park was in parasite. Mm-hmm. He played the, the, the father, the father. Um, very weird, different role for him, but mm-hmm. very good. He knew what he was doing. He brought a lot to it. Yeah. Um, I found it boring. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which again is, we don't, I don't know if it was my, the particular yeah. mood I was in. I found it very meditative. Yes, time. I would agree with that. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say boring. I, but... I think that it probably wasn't boring, but because of the pace, mm-hmm. the, I think it was very intentional of the tone and the pace, and that that's why I had the reaction of, of long and <laughs> yeah. boring. <laughs> yeah, we did take a break uh, at about 50 minutes in. You were like, we're only 50 minutes in? Where's it going to go? <laughs> And the answer is not really anywhere. Not a lot of stuff happens. No. No, the the situation at the beginning and the end of the film is very minimally changed. Um, It is not a plot-heavy movie in the way that I think a lot of crime dramas want to be or like to be. solving that crime. There's Um, twists and turns. And the suspect is, you know, giving them a run. Yeah, I watched, um, this week I watched Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy... Without you, sorry. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was... We're in the same room 24 hours a day. It was not a surprise. Um, but that, that reminded me of a lot of as well, because it's a lot of like people sitting in rooms talking to each other, uh, because that's a more realistic depiction of spy fiction than 
007 jaunting across the globe and what? shooting things. What? And and I don't know that it's more realistic, but it's certainly more grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this felt like a very grounded, grueling experience of police work in that it's boring. There's not a lot that happens. It's very start and stop. You are as a serial killer. You're kind of waiting until the next one happens to hope that you might get some more evidence. Right. You're looking for those patterns, but until you have several murders, you don't know. It's hard to develop. Yeah. Uh, Which is a terrible thing about like investigating a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Um, So, particularly when it's someone who's not like. You can't figure out why he's even doing it, like what the motivations are. You don't know. It's just a, it's just these murders seem like they're happening in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that impotence of the police force fed into some of the, the meditative or the boring that, that you experienced. I think it was in, th- yeah, it was, it intentional. was all intentional. Yeah. Plus, the color grade on it was such like neutral tones. Yes. It was almost hard for me to like, <laughs> like that added to this feeling of yeah, slow. Yeah, it was it was gray, it was gray and, like muted greens, muted, yeah, muted everything. Yeah, that I have to think was at first I thought it was because it was old. It almost felt like it was a non-restored film from the seventies or eighties. But it's 2003. Yeah. Intentional. <laughs> yeah. So it was made to feel like a non-restored film from the 2008, from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it it did that very well. It nailed the aesthetic that it was going for. Uh, it was just not. It was not an action-packed film. Except for those jump kicks. Yeah, except for those jump kicks. When there was a chase scene, that was like everything else, just kind of incompetent. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of things that I appreciated mm-hmm. in the film. And one is this is a like such a male heavy It is. Such a male heavy film, which is not unusual for a crime drama no. at all. It's just that most of the time crime dramas are not aware that it's male heavy. Mm. That that's it's very much from kind of um a male gaze. Yeah. And this one I felt was aware. That yes. it was male heavy, and it it was showing that like these men, all of these characters, only viewed women as domestic labor and sexual objects. Yes, and so it wasn't just that the filmmaker had only portrayed women in that way. Yeah, but um, th- that's how the characters viewed them, and the women actually had some agency mm-hmm. and you could see that they're not like incompetent. Like yeah. these, <laughs> these, like <men>. these cops. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like the officer who recognized the pattern in the songs playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. And like, she tells them this while she's delivering them coffee because that's what's expected. And they're like, Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. You're just like, that's a dumb thing to do yeah. to be listening to the radio at night. Yeah, and what? <laughs> can you get us more coffee now? Yeah. Um, and she's on, like, to the only, one of the only clues they have that, yeah. that connects the different murders. There's also the moment that they're in a guardhouse. I'm not sure why they were in the guardhouse. Um, I think it was the night where they're trying to lure out mm-hmm. um, 
the the murderer. Mm-hmm. And so they've got the woman detective, and she's dressed in red mm-hmm. because the murders only happen to women dressed in red at first and mm-hmm. um, during the rain. So they've got her out. She's in the guardhouse, and they're they're all talking. She's the one that notices these two schoolgirls are walking past yes. in the rain in this like <laughs> there's a murder about and she's like come in here yeah stop least. wandering around <laughs> so she's observant and compassionate yes in a way that the men are not mm-hmm. yeah or i think about um the the one survivor of an attack who um detective so discovers but, like, isn't able to get anything out of. Like, that depiction felt relatively non-exploitative for, again, a film that is so centered in female violence. I will, and so they have the woman detective come to the victim. And interview and her. Interviewer, yeah. And, and, and the victim does talk to her. Mm-hmm. Assuming because it's a, it's another woman, and she feels more comfortable. She feels yeah, more comfortable. yeah. So no, I, I definitely get what you're saying about like how even though it is a very male heavy film, it is aware of that, and it 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 lets you kind of know it's more of a choice than just happenstance or an accident, <laughs> like Martin Scorsese's crime dramas. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely thinking of Scorsese there. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. Um, what was the other thing? You said there was a couple of things you appreciated. Uh, the other thing is, we talked about how these the two bumbling country cops keep, like, uh, coercing yeah. these, rehearsing, coercing these confessions from people who clearly, like, aren't... Guilty. <laughs> they're, they're just looking to put, you know, their... their they're looking to check, check off the thing, yeah. That they found yeah. the killer, whether or not they did. And the, the city cop is, you know... Oh, ambivalent? Ambivalent about it. He knows it's a waste of time. But yeah. he's, and he's not really participating in it. And by the time you get to the end of the film and there's this third suspect who mm-hmm. looks the best mm-hmm. as far as the subject has enough... has circumstantial evidence working... In, um, in favor of him being the one who was doing it. Yeah. And so, and then the city cop switches and becomes yeah. super violent and wanting to coerce out a confession. Mm-hmm. And um, the, to me, it was a commentary to the longer that you do this and get involved in it, the more, maybe not corrupt, but the more lines you're willing to go over. Yeah. The more you're looking for a solution, any solution, no matter how you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting switch to see him, like, not just beat him up, but, like, break into his house and take him out and take him to a train track and punch him a bunch and, like... And really threatened to shoot him. Yeah. Like, I didn't I know, wasn't sure. I wasn't sure which way I was going to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to see that, and, and now knowing that you said that it takes place over a number of years, certainly shows that wear on him very effectively um and and he's not the guy like at least according to the dna evidence they were able to get so it was was inconclusive inconclusive he was not the dna did not conclude that he was the guy yes it took it did not give a a strong answer which is what they were hoping for and the other evidence was highly circumstantial yeah so not enough to build 
and the the sort of belief system put forth by the cops is like well we, if as long as we got circumstantial evidence and a confession we're fine we don't care how the confession came about uh which is as we've learned not actually true confessions are are not as strong as people think they are mm-hmm. because they can be coerced they can be you know you can convince someone to say anything to just get me out of this moment mm-hmm. which is um not a good thing and this movie doesn't depict it as a good thing mm-hmm. you're never really on the side of the the bumbling cops doing these terrible things any other thoughts you had those those were, those were my two, thoughts okay you had those two thoughts my, i had two thoughts plus all the other stuff we talked about oh yeah those two uh i wrote down the phrase baldies because it made me laugh <laughs> we gotta look for some baldies Yeah. Yeah, there's lines like that. Yeah, that are funny. Sometimes I wonder, like, is that, like, I wonder about the translation of that. Of course, like, yeah. Again, knowing this director, knowing there is comedy in it, like, I suspect it was meant to be humorous, but I don't speak Korean or understand it at all, so I always wonder a little bit about how those translations work. Because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to convey humor across language. Yeah, that's why I was hesitant of, like, okay, what's the, <laughs> what... Is this supposed to be kind of humorous? Am yeah. I just reading my own yeah. uh, idea of comedy into it? Both. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much else. I enjoyed it. I liked watching it. Um, again, it's fascinating to be able to see, like, we've almost gone backwards through his career, starting with, like, Parasite and the moving. Well, we watched Snowpiercer years and years ago, but... So we've been doing it out of order for the, yeah, all, for most the, the of whole it. time. Um, but definitely the sort of director that belongs in the sort of auteur pantheon, which is not a real thing anyway, um, but like the directors you go, oh, like that's a Tarantino film, or mm-hmm. oh, that's a Kevin Smith film, mm-hmm. um, or that's a Catherine Bigelow film, because I think she has some of that in her stuff too, although I've not seen a lot of her work. Just, it's fun to watch directors i like yeah yeah i didn't not enjoy it no i didn't think that <laughs> I didn't not we don't like have it. to agree on everything amy i just i definitely i definitely appreciate the quality of the filmmaking mm-hmm. it's not one you're gonna run back to probably not no. but again like parasite which i want to watch again and again i don't want to watch the black and white version because there's a black and white version of parasite too cool cool <laughs> Gotta watch all the versions. Yeah. I let Kevin do that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, watch all the versions. All right, well, should we Although, talk? Yeah. you didn't want to watch the color version of Justice I League didn't, after. because it was bad. It was too long, and it was bad. I tried. I tried real hard to like Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> but I am not predisposed to like Zack Snyder films, so. All right, talk about the Patreon, Amy. Let's talk about the Patreon. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash five degrees. That's where it is. You can pay on, uh, it's by episode. You can put a cap on it in case we do 40 episodes in one month. And you're like, I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to support you that much. much. I want to support you a little bit. That's cool. We're cool. cool. Um, And they're always available for free. There's two perks. 
Two perks. One is you get the super super unedited version yeah. where we talk to our cat the director's at the beginning cuts. and we talk to our cat at the end. <laughs> and you get a list of movies that we didn't watch and that apparently sometimes Kevin just sneaks and watches during the day when Yeah, yeah, because I want to watch all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so so you can see what movies we didn't pick from the list that I generate every week for Amy to watch and pick from. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I don't watch them during the week, though, because I want you to watch them, too. So. Oh, put them on the list again. Yeah. Yeah. Because the movies show up on the list again. I gotta say, Leprechaun 4 was on this list, <laughs> and I think that that's one that I won't be choosing in the future. Fair enough. I, there's a wide range of potential films on every list. Yep. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Nope. Uh, but if you're a patron, you can find out what we didn't watch by yes. supporting us. Yeah. But even just listening to the podcast or rating us on your favorite podcast doohickey or telling your friends about us uh, or burning it onto a CD and launching it into a crowd um, with, like, listen to me. Nope. Does. Nobody has CD players anymore. Oh, somebody drives old cars that have CD players. My car has one. Yeah, you Your car has one. Yeah, see? Or a cassette. Put it on a cassette. Nobody has cassette Nobody players. Nobody has cassette players. Uh, but you can do that. You can you can subscribe to us and listen to us and support us on Patreon. And we really appreciate it. Uh, we like making this podcast and we're glad you apparently like it too. Because you're listening to it. Woo. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Am I supposed to say anything else? Did we cover all the doodads? I think that was all the things. All right. Well, say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.